Hey, Carl. The Blues have playoff number three. And four. Four. Depends on when you're watching this. But if you're listening to it on Saturday, then game four is coming up. And it was an amazing game last night. I have no idea. (laughs) We'll talk to our guest, Ron Himes, the founder and creative director for The Black Rep here in St. Louis. We'll talk to him about their new play, Chitney, coming up next. And then around minute 17, we'll talk about Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Around minute 36, Escape the Field. Around 39, the Cheryl Crow documentary titled Cheryl. And then around minute 44, what's streaming? Around minute 48, The Weekend Happenings. Well, for the love of God, would it quit raining? Oh, yes. my goodness. Two, two inches by Monday, they say. Oh, but Mother's Day is supposed to be nice. And our lovely friends at City Museum have a deal for moms at free admission. Moms in for free. And for Van Gogh, Beyond Van Gogh, which is here till May 30th, uh, moms get free admission with a paying family member as long as they bring a package of diapers or toddler paint, you know, those toddler disposables. Smart. Yeah, that's a great thing because uh, nobody should miss this. It's really fantastic. And we've talked about it. And I look forward to seeing the Beyond Monet. It's going to be fantastic. I am looking forward to it very much. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Hi. Good. Can you hear me? I can hear you fine. Okay, Sorry, hi. I'm in my car. I couldn't make it back to my office in time. Oh, okay. okay. Well, we're just happy because it's going to be audio anyway. But we're just happy that you could join us. I was thinking every time I see your commercial for for uh, the law firm. <laughs> More than honest is all you need. <laughs> I, keep, I keep thinking, you know, you're one of them that I recognize. And I keep thinking, how many people recognize you from that? A lot. I get a lot of that. Uh, I mean, one, the funniest thing is one night there were a group of women in a restaurant. I guess they had been sitting at the table arguing about, was it me? Was it me? Was it me? Finally, one of them got up and came over to ask me. And I said, yes. And then she went back and I said, I told you, I told you. And they had a whole big laugh about it. <laughs> Well, congratulations are in order this morning. We have Ron Himes with us of the Black Rep. And I haven't seen you since your company won this Theater Circle Award for Best Drama and Best Ensemble of a Drama for your uh, production of Two Trains Running, the August Wilson uh, play that you did right in the before times. Right in the before time. Oh, thank goodness it got there. And and your company accepted an award from the August Wilson Foundation for the for what you have done because you have presented his Pittsburgh cycle, the century plays, and then you are now in a repeat of them to bring them to new generation, new audiences. And upcoming is Jitney, which I'm so excited about because I have not seen this. So I want Uh, you to tell us about uh, your commitment to the work of August Wilson and why you feel this is so important to get this out to people. Yeah, well, I, you know, I just believe that August Wilson is arguably the most prolific American playwright of the 20th century. And I think that the American century cycle is so important for giving us a a bird's eye view of the black experience for the, through the 20th century, beginning with Jim of the Ocean in the 1900s, all the way up through radio golf in the 1990s. We were the third company in the country to to complete the cycle. And uh, after completing the cycle, I then began a commitment to go through the cycle a second time in chronological order. So we have completed the cycle and now we're up to the eighth play again with Jitney, which will open, uh, begin previews on May 11th and run through May 29th. And I just am just so excited and so honored to be able to present August's work to, as you say, a new generation and uh, for people who haven't had an opportunity to see it. And of course, the films, 
have begun to expose a lot more people to his writing and to his work, and that it has people excited about an opportunity to see August Wilson live on stage again. Which is great. Now, Jitney means cab drivers. Right. Before Uber and before Lyfts, there was Jitney. Uh, Jitneys are uh, service cars. And what would normally happen is uh, a group of uh, drivers would rent a storefront, for instance, and get a phone number. And, you know, in the Black community where cab service was bad or, and or non-existent, people could call these jitneys to go to the grocery store, to go to church, to go to the bus station, to go to the train station. And you'd call the jitney service, the driver's answer, car service. You tell them where you're going, what your address is. They pick you up and take you there. And uh, if you call, they'll come back and pick you up and take you back home. Which is, uh, which is exciting. Now, uh, your cast, you have done some great work with casts recently. Oh, Carl, I wanted to tell you, Ron won Best Actor from the St. Louis Theater Circle for, for Fences. Oh, for, yes. Yeah, playing of August Wilson play. Yeah. So if you're familiar, because is that the last movie? I think that's the last movie, Fences, was. Uh, no, Ma, Ma, no Rainey. Ma Rainey's oh. Black Bottom. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Maureen's Black Bottom. So, um, you know, yeah, now there's been Fences, The Piano Lesson, and Maureen have been filmed. Which I think, uh, isn't Denzel Washington planning to do more? He has, the, he has a deal, I believe, with HBO to do all 10 of them. Oh, great which is yeah awesome. yeah which is awesome so one of the things that i love about the black rep is your education program but also you give people on your wednesday night performances uh, a deal to get in is it still twenty dollars for twenty dollar to- wednesdays oh yeah twenty dollar wednesdays and there are two evening performances and then uh there is one wednesday 10 o'clock matinee and all the Wednesday performances are ten or twenty dollars, except we do students uh, because we also do students uh, who come for field trips uh, for that ten o'clock Wednesday matinee. And student tickets are range from ten to fifteen dollars, which is wonderful. So you can go to theblackrep.org to find out more to buy tickets. Have you right. announced your forty-sixth uh, season as yet? Not yet. We are waiting. Uh, we will probably open it. I mean, announce it during the run of Jitney. Okay, which is which is good. And is it going to be four four plays, five plays? No, there'll be five, well, there'll be five five plays again. We are scheduled to do three productions at the Edison Theater, one in the Hotchner Theater, and we will return for a second year to the Burgess Theater. Is one of them going to be King Headley the second? Uh, and we're not sure whether that's going to be next season or season 47, but it's, uh, it's definitely it's, the it's, next August. It's Wilson. down the road, but we just yes. don't know when. Right. It is definitely the next August Wilson. And uh, even though uh, I'm not going to mention an August Wilson play right now, but your play Sweat, which was by Lynn Nottage, which yes. was so profound in exploring the the political climate in the what used to be called or what still I guess is called Trump country uh, with a factory shutting down the way the the uh, the community was affected by that sweat was your production last year that in September yes yeah that drew so much acclaim and it, it was fabulous, but this was one of the Lynn Nottage plays you've done and you were honored just two weeks ago to present it in Kansas, is that right? Right, so uh, in Independence, Kansas each year, they host the Inch Festival, uh, you know, the ride of William Inch is his hometown. And this year they honored Lynn Nottage and we, we're honored to get an invitation to remount our production of Sweat for Lynn Nottage and for the festival. And we were able to uh, reassemble the entire cast except for one actor we had to replace. Uh, we 
had the uh, whole set rebuilt and everything, and we mounted the production for a one-night performance. And Lynn Nottage really, really liked the performance, which just, you know, has made my year. <laughs> I guess. Well, it was it was really uh, fantastic. And I couldn't believe how, even though it was uh, earlier, how it just captured what was going on. Oh, yeah. She spent over a year in reading in Reading, Pennsylvania, interviewing people, interviewing steel workers, interviewing everybody in town. And then just did a great, great job of writing that play based on those interviews. Yeah. So Carl, you have yes. to go because it's at it's at the Edison Theater in on Washu's campus, and then what is it the Burgess Theater, which is Coca, but they use those spaces uh, so well, and uh, the casting is always. Just remarkable. You, you I've, I've, been to, I've been to black rep performances. I because uh, I let's see. I I appreciate the fact that you guys can always adapt to what is uh, what the play needs, rather than just having in one static space. Because some some performances need to be more intimate and rather than yes. a huge crowd. Right. I've always, I've always appreciated that. Yeah, the Hotsner gives us the ability to be really intimate. It's the black box space. It's just a hundred seats, and uh, it works really well for the for the shows that we put in there. It's worked wonderfully, and uh, you know we hope that we are you know creating the same sort of atmosphere even in the bigger spaces at Edison and at the Burgess. But uh, as Lynn mentioned, Jitney will be at the Edison Theater on the campus of Washington University from May 11th through the 29th. And you can find out all this stuff at theblackrep.org. How, right. how, how did you, you adapted pretty well to the pandemic. How, what sort of challenge was that? Because you did have to move a January production. Right, our January production has now moved to July. So Jitney, which should have closed our season, is no longer the closer. Don Trail, Who Kissed the Sea, which was scheduled to run in January, will now run from July 6th to July 23rd. At the uh, Edison. At the Edison as well, yes. How, has, uh, how was adapting during the pandemic to uh, for your group? How was that? Uh, we never stopped producing. We never stopped working. We went virtual with as much programming as we could. Uh, our audiences looked forward to it and we were able to deliver it with a lot of support from uh, Washington University and the Edison staff. That was good. I remember watching Coconut Cake and uh, virtually that was one uh -huh. of the, uh, was that the name of it? Was it Coconut Cake? Yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> And I yes, missed, yes, it I, but it was really interesting because I thought you adapted really well to performing virtual because not everybody could do that. Right. Uh, we, we actually did another play by the same playwright, Melba, ba Melda Beatty was the playwright. And uh, the first one we did with her was a piece called Front Porch Society, which was set during the election of President Obama and his campaign. And then we did Coconut Cake. So Front Porch Society was for women and Coconut Cake was for men. Oh. Well, you, because uh, you also do things around the country, but one of the big focuses is with the kids in the community. So how do you get the schools involved in what you're doing and showing them works that they are not exposed to? Well, we develop another, this year we had another three shows specifically developed to go into the schools. So we've been touring into the schools uh, as much as we could. Those that have allowed us back in, that have allowed artists to come back into the schools. So we have three shows, which are grade specific. So there's one show for K through four, which is called Turn Up. And then there are two shows for middle school up through high school. One is uh, Singing, Stamping and Shouting Home. And the other one is uh, Waiting for Martin, which is a really touching piece about three homeless kids who are waiting to meet Martin Luther King. 
Oh, wow. Well, and I know you also, you guys also have the uh, Youth Actors Ensemble, which is you're, like you're in the middle of that right now. I know it is a program that you guys uh, have started in the area that is great for the youth to make sure that acting and the, the Black Rep keep performing in St. Louis. Yeah, yeah, you know, we are really, really committed to using local actors, local talent. And the way for us to be able to continue to do that is start to them early. It, start young and develop them. And so, you know, a lot of people have uh, a lot of the mainstays of the St. Louis theater community right now have grown up or come through our professional intern program. You know, actors like Ellie Schwetti, Carl Overly, uh, Alicia Like, all uh, Tyler White all of those actors who are like now working at all these other companies at the Shakespeare Festival, at Metro, at the Rep, they have grown up or come through our training program. And we're very, very proud of that. Um, and then there are- You should be. Yeah, and that's several of our, uh, you know, former alums out of town who I, I was, I was like, whoa, I'm getting old. There's one company uh, that was started by an intern that is just celebrating their 25th anniversary. Wow. Right. And I'm like, that's well, what you, I said. This is, this is your 45th season. You guys have been around since 1976. That's right. Yes. Well, and, and you were there at the beginning, not to age you or anything like that. But, you no, know, you do, need your, you do need your props because, you know, this was your baby. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we started the company as a group of students at Wash U, and that student group evolved to become the Black Rep. And now Brian McKinley was one of your interns and uh, such a delightful person. And he's been in several of the plays, but he won an acting award for Spell 7. So full circle. Right. And then Carl Overly won an award for another company. Yes, but you and have he was you, in that production. He was in that production of Two Trains Running. All right. And you have collaborated with uh, the rep this year, like you were in Stick Fly. Yes, acted in Stick Fly for the rep, uh, directed last summer for Opera Theater St. Louis, uh, just did some work for the Art Museum. And um, we're constantly looking at ways of collaborating with all of our arts partners and uh, just continuing to do our part to keep the cultural fabric of theater in St. Louis as rich as we can. Well, thank you so much for your time today because I know you're so busy and uh, we were hoping to get you, oh, I can't remember what production, but I think Dontrell everything that happened with Omicron in January, because you were one of the companies that had to switch, but I'm so glad Jitney's going on as planned because a lot of people have moved their schedules to, well, we'll just do that next year. We'll just do that right. next year. So, and so, they did that with Don Terrell. They're moving, they moved it to the next show. Right. So right. you are still continuing the cycle. So I'm, I'm excited because the last couple ones that I've seen, I think I started with the piano lesson with Chauncey. Uh-huh. And uh he's just the oh he's just so good. And then and then uh seven guitars, right fences, uh then two trains running, and then now Jitney. So right. I think I missed up, the the earlier two that you restarted with. So I'll have to right. Jim of the Ocean and Joe Turner's come and gone. Jitney is at two. The Edison Theater at WashU, the Black Rep. It's May 11th through the 29th. Go to theblackrep.org. Ron, thank, thank you very much. You're, you're, thank you. You're so thank good. You I, you're, I, I'm just impressed that we're talking to you. So thank you. Uh, thank you so much. <laughs> yes, I thank you. I look forward you. to and seeing you. And look forward. Bye bye. Bye. So we have a big movie that supposedly kicks off the summer, but. I still am a purist about Memorial Day weekend, so. Yeah, which will be Top Gun, so. Right, and we just got the, we just got the. Uh, the Invitation. Uh, yeah, so, well, uh, this are much more versed in the uh, 
Oh, I know. That's right. The The thing wasn't in too much. Anyway, you are much more versed in all of the Marvel Universe because I haven't seen all the TV series now running on Disney+. Plus. However, so let's, let's, let's go through those. Uh, we just, Moon Knight just ended. And before that are, was uh, Hawkeye. And before that was What If, which was the cartoon, which had alternate universes. And before that was Loki. And before that was the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And before that, the one that kicked it all off was WandaVision. This is the first Marvel. This is the 28th Marvel movie, by the way. If you in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, because, you know, there are other Marvel like uh, Venom is a Marvel movie, but that's not in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. No, so, that's that's more in the Sony, what I call the Sony Spider Universe. But but see that also Sony, the Sony Spider-Man pictures are in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's confusing and most people don't understand it. And that's fine because it's all corporate crap. Here's 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 what I want to say about Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. This is the first of the 28 Marvel movies that you really needed to see a previous entry to understand fully what's going on. So and my daughter forced herself to watch Spider-Man No Way Home before we watched Doctor Strange. So did I. But that was not the thing that you needed to force yourself to watch because they don't really talk about Spider-Man No Way Home. Well, it causes the whole. Yes, but it's it's unnecessary. It's unnecessary that what you need to watch before you see this is WandaVision. If you don't know what happened and how WandaVision ended, then you are going to be, it doesn't mean you can't enjoy the movie, but it it fills in a lot of the gaps that are in this movie. Well, it shows you why Elizabeth Olsen as the Scarlet Witch is so uh, inconsolable about the two little boys and when they mention Westview and she has used her powers for good in previous Avengers movies as one of the Avengers. Well, she, she started out as a villain, remember? If you right. Know, she, well, she now she's returned to being a villain. But yes, you need to watch WandaVision. And I do believe you need to watch Spider-Man. Now, I, I don't think Spider-Man's Spider-Man is great. And it, you're also not what you also don't need to have seen Doctor Strange. Which is funny because that really doesn't matter. No, the thing to me is this is getting to be a chore for the casual fans to keep up because I sat next to our friend Jim Batts, who is Marvel above all else. And he has got a deep and abiding history and love of the comic books. He's an artist and he knows he was like, oh, that character so much like Steve Ditka uh, envisioned. And personally, I'm going into the movies just as a reviewer. And I have had to see all of the 28 movies, but I don't have that deep love as a child of reading all the comics and know who's who and what's what. He knows who's coming up. He knows how they're connected. I think. And so when we see cameos in this, because now we're having these superheroes crisscross in each other's movies. I'm just such a big fan of Benedict Cumberbatch because this Dr. Strange, I knew nothing about in 2016 and I really enjoyed it. And I thought, what a great, uh, to get such a good actor as this superhero because he's this sophisticated very smart sardonic surgeon who has a terrible accident blah 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 we go through the whole mystical process he's at what is it comitage the uh it's a it's a tilda swinton trains him and now he's this wizard the sorcerer and he has been in the two Avengers movies. He was one of the blips. No, he was. He wasn't. There are four Avengers movies. He was in the last two. He was in the Infinity War and Endgame. Right. And so they because, reference. 
Well, because in Age of Ultron, that's when we are introduced to Wanda Maximoff, a.k.a. the Scarlet Witch. Right. So in this one, he is conflicted because of what he did in Spider-Man No Way Home because of the dangerous portal he opened. And now we're going through all these different uh, realities, this parallel universes, these different universes. We have different versions of himself. We have uh, now Wanda, who was used her forces for good in the Avengers movies. And she had cataclysmic events happen in WandaVision. And now she is back and not helping. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> let, let me say this. If Okay. I know you didn't watch WandaVision, but if you. Oh, I did. I did. Oh, watch, did watch. I watched okay. all of it. All right. So if you were not a fan of what they did to Wanda's character at the end of WandaVision, because a lot of people loved the first six episodes and then the last two were polarizing. There are a lot of people that did not like what they did to Wanda's character in WandaVision at the end of WandaVision. Right. If you are one of those people, if you are one of those people, you are going to hate Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. You will not like what they do to her character at all because she is full-blown villain. Now, my wife and I got into an argument about this. Not argument, heated discussion. She says... You don't understand because you're not a mom. And I can see part of that argument. Lynn, you're a mother. Do you not necessarily forgive, but can you more understand her situation? I can. But her children never existed. (laughs) She made them up. I know, but that uh that's like a hysterical pregnancy i guess i don't know she had the same emotions the same maternal instinct i don't know when you have children you become this mama bear uh you will uh you become like this mama lion and you will uh you know uh run uh across train tracks you will do anything for uh you know to protect your children and I think that comes out in Wanda, even though this is a universe that she created, uh, it is no less while than- grieving. She created she created this while in grief. <laughs> right. And she wants to go away and and be a mom with these children. And Strange isn't going to let her because it would further disrupt the universe. And it's been already disrupted. And we have these characters coming in and out. Now, my big thing, usually the Marvel movies, they have heart and they have humor. Well, the the first Doctor Strange movie was directed by Scott Derrickson. This movie is directed by Sam Raimi. Yes, which brings in horror elements and, and it, it is the bloodiest and most well. Moonlight was pretty violent, but this is this is the most horror of the Marvel movies. And and I, here's what I heard: uh, what Marvel and uh, Kevin Feige Feige told Sam Raimi: you can make your movie, but you have to hit these bullet points so he didn't care how you got to a to b as long as you got there and sam raimi sam raimi's it up which is what we all hoped for when chloe zhao did the director of no man land did the eternals but she just she chloe zhao it rather than marveled it and i still think eternals will be looked on better in the future this is this is more of a sam raimi movie than the eternals was a chloe zhao movie I think uh, Marvel fanatics will love this. I think those who Sam uh, Raimi fans, Sam Raimi fans, but I think casual fans, to me, it lacks emotion. It's the Uh, most in the weeds movie of all of them. Yeah, because you have to know so many other things. That's another thing. Um, We're not going to spoil anything, but the Internet has already done that for you. And we're not going to say yes, because you saw in the trailers and you saw in the poster and you've heard all the rumors. 
Yes, there are a lot of cameos in this movie, but what they do with them, Sam Raimi said, hey, do I have to do a lot of things with these characters? And they said no. So he does fantastically horrible things to them. And I think it's a waste. I think think what they do to the Illuminati, and I'm not going to say who they are, but it's it's not fun it's it's why why spend the effort to bring these characters in if you're just going to waste their them being on screen and chuetel egefor which i thought was going to egefor who comes who who we thought was going to come back as the main villain in this because that's how the end of the first doctor strange ends up yeah, no. And I think what they did with him was an afterthought, kind of like the Harry Potter with the Catherine Watterson. I was like, what's going on here? Because they don't connect the dots in a way. And now, Benedict, we haven't even talked about Sochi Gomez. No, she's the, new, she's the new character. She's the young one. She's America Chavez. She can jump through the universes and nobody else can do that. So she hooks up with them rachel mcadams is back as christine but she also has another character arc in another universe and then benedict wong who works so well with cumberbatch yes now cumberbatch and uh elizabeth olsen were on two different movies (laughs) were on james corden last night yucking it up making margaritas at his bar and playing different versions of themselves, which was kind of fun. Mm -hmm. And uh, I like that they're having fun with this, but I do think it's going to be a tougher sell to people that are like, maybe they like Elizabeth Olsen and they like Benedict Cumberbatch, but they're going to be lost. Yes, I do. Uh, Since when they switched directors, when they went to Sam Raimi, they uh, got rid of Michael Giacchino, but they kept the themes because Danny Elfman is doing the music in this one. And when I saw his name on screen, I'm like, huh, I couldn't tell it was Danny Elfman because he used so many of the Michael Giacchino's uh, themes from the first movie. So it was more, it was more, uh, less, instead of saying more, it was less Danny Elfman than I thought it would be. And Danny Elfman was at Coachella playing shirtless a couple weekends ago because he's, you know, a buff old man who enjoys what he's doing. And I, I didn't hate or love the music in this one. I, in fact, I didn't notice it, which in a Marvel movie is sometimes great. Cause I, I said this with Max the other day. I wish there were more besides the Guardians movies. I wish there the Marvel movies used to have like hit songs in them. The the Avengers had a brand new Soundgarden song. I wouldn't mind to hear a Billie Eilish or a Taylor Swift song. Not a, not a needle drop like in Guardians of the Galaxy, but a brand new hit song. I'd like to hear some of that instead of just the scores. And not that I, there's nothing against the scores. It's just that I would like to have heard, you know, what these movies used to be about, you know, you, a soundtrack. I would have loved to have that in this. I, I want to end. Oh, go ahead, Lynn. No, I was just going to say, I think the script is one of the main problems of this because I think it's cumbersome. And oh. I don't think he does a good job of of taking Stan, Stanley and Steve Ditko's characters and translating them to green screen treatment. I don't. Well, I want to I want to end this on a positive. The main climax of the film is not a CGI battle. The main climax of the film is acting. And I, I mean, it's still on a green screen, but it's acting. It's not a CGI battle. There are tons of CGI battles both before and after this, but there, the main climax of the film is an acting piece with uh, someone actually showing emotion on screen. So that is, I, I enjoyed that because a lot of these Marvel films have a huge ass fight scene and that's how the movie ends with a little bit of denouement, but not in this one, which I thought was well done. And you have to see 
the uh, credits. There's the mid credit scene and there's the end credit scene. The end credit scene is funny and it is very Sam Raimi because that's what Sam Raimi does. And the mid credit scene sets up a thing. And if you're a comic book nerd, you already know who those people are, which, yeah. or the internet will tell you with like two clicks. Oh. Did you, did you, you didn't know, cause I didn't know, but did you, did you turn around and ask Jim who that was and what they were? I knew who it was, but I didn't know. No, no, who... no, 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 not the, not the, not the actor, the, the character. I did not. Okay. Yeah. I didn't either. But he told everybody when we were talking about it afterwards. Well, there are, there are a lot of cameos and a lot of people will go. There's a lot of fan service in this movie, but I do want to say, I think it is lower tier Marvel. I mean, there are 28 of them, so <laughs> they can't all be winter soldier or civil war or Endgame. rock. Right. Or the Avengers. They can't all be top tier Marvel. They're, some of them are middling and some of them are awful. And this one is, you know, probably somewhere in the late teens, 20s. All right, Lynn, did you see? I don't know what Escape the Field is. It's a movie that is in select theaters. I looked to see if it was playing in St. Louis, and I don't think it is, but it is available on demand and on digital. This is a B movie through and through. It is six strangers who wake up. Oh, this is the, this is the, uh, this is the, they have like, it's kind of like a Hunger Games thing or the hunt, right? Right. It's like the hunt meets lost. It's got a lost vibe to it. I actually enjoyed it for what it was because you know, we have these big bloated movies lately, and this was just cut to the chase. People are suspicious. They're different demographics. Lots of horrible things happen. It's very mysterious. I'm not really sure about the ending, but they referenced something like that in the early beginning. So you do have to pay attention. The dialogue's very cheesy. I will say that, but I gave it a higher grade than probably it's going to get anywhere just because <laughs> I was like, well, at least it's being fairly uh, cut to the chase, honest with itself at what it is. It has a lot of TV actors in it. It has yes. Theo Rossi, who was in Sons of Anarchy. It has Shane West from Buffy and ER. It has Jordan Claire Robbins from Supernatural. And so, the Umbrella Academy. Yeah, and the Umbrella Academy. So they have a lot of familiar faces in this. And they try to sell it. Uh, the character development isn't what it should be. But well, for there are only six characters in that. Right. Is it, right. is it kind of, um, is it like the hunt and everyone's a stereotype? No, not really. Good. Well, I'm, but, hmm. but that also was one of the funnier things in the hunt, which I I liked. I liked the hunt. Yeah, it had a creepy vibe. It has creepy music, creepy vibe. I was like, oh, this is better than I thought. When something's better than I thought, I tend to be more generous. Yeah, but your but your expectations were low. Right. So if my expectations are low in that, and then I didn't know this Cheryl Crow movie was coming out on Showtime. It's on Showtime. As of as of March. Uh, March as of May 6th uh, I when I was because uh, she's doing the publicity rounds and I was like oh didn't we get access to this and I searched my emails and yes in mid-March I got a copy of it what I didn't know that I would yeah. have watched it I love Cheryl Crow I've, I met Cheryl Crow I know and so I was like oh I didn't meet her but I, I was thinking you probably had, and you probably. I met her in the Keishi van at Wash U's 13 festival. And she played us a song in the Keishi van. It was, it was right, right around when the Tucson music club came out and I met her and she was very nice. And I never thought, you know, it was weird. And, you know, cause there was the, there was the Missouri connection. And so, 
you know, we had her on and now she's huge star. She is rock royalty now from the nineties. Well, oh, not yeah. rock. I guess, I guess it'd be pop. Uh, I don't, she's a rock and roller. It's just that rock and roll's definition has changed from when right. she was in the nineties. And she has done quite a few collaborations. Like she was on Colbert the other night and collaborated with Lucius. Hmm. Cheryl Crow gets a lot of criticism that I hear that the movie does not touch on because Tuesday Night Music Club, her first album, there are a lot of disputed claims about that album. They and did. They do bring it up, but they don't. Do they? But this mm-hmm. is her movie, so they're not going to they're not going to side with the people that dispute the claims. Well, it's interesting. The Michael Jackson tour stuff is very interesting. Well, yeah. It's interesting how she met Scooter, her manager, Scooter Weintraub. And uh, she taught music in St. Louis County. Right. Uh, St. Louis County or was it up north? I thought it was farther north of here. Okay. Well, when she um, was. she Yeah, Kenneth. She's from the boot heel, Kenneth. She uh, went to Mizzou. She decided she was going to move to Los Angeles and had only been to the big city of St. Louis before. Well, yeah. So this all entered new worlds, but she. Oh, that's right. She taught. She that's right. She was from Kenton or she was from Kennett, went to Mizzou, and then she made her way to Fenton. Right. And uh, she. has had a huge success and uh, she's still kicking it. She's still playing. Uh, it goes through her depression. It goes through her cancer. Uh, they don't really go there with the Lance Armstrong deal, but really, uh, they don't know, talk about that's, him at all. That, well, they do, but, uh, but it's well documented elsewhere. Let's put it like that. Okay. But this is, but this is really interesting. I, you know, in all good documentaries, they have plenty of archival footage. It shows her growth and her opportunities and just quite a few of her songs. She talks about how the chorus of all I want to do. Mm-hmm just came out which was her huge success so it's interesting and i'm glad i watched it and uh getting back to i wanted to say real quick about escape the field it's only 90 minutes okay how long is the cheryl crow documentary uh the cheryl crow documentary is about that long too it's called it's called cheryl and it's on showtime this weekend yeah speak and uh if we're going to talk run times dr strange thank you god was only two hours and six minutes yeah it could have been 15 minutes shorter but that's fine yeah so we that's all that's all we got this week it's they're leaving it open for for um no it says at the end just like james bond dr strange will return right but this is the weekend that they're just tossing it up and saying okay you win dr strange now interesting the 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 amc in new york city is showing dr strange 70 times oh my someone posted a, a screenshot of all the times just today so i don't know how it's 70 times so it's probably about 20 theaters have you seen the box office for the fantastic beast movie it has fallen so yeah. fast it had a 79 percent drop yeah they won't make they're probably not going to make another one yeah i don't think that looks very good well i have been watching streaming and i did catch the second episode of the offer and it brings pacino up so i love it i love the whole backstory about the, what the studios wanted they they mentioned that let's film it in st louis or kansas city and the look on francis ford coppola's face when they're like oh new york's too much money and and he's telling the suits this is a very specific story and they mm-hmm. were they're trying to cut pennies and that's colin hanks's character and uh when he's talking about World War II, they go, oh, set it in Vietnam. Michael, come back from Vietnam. That'll make it current. And the horrified look on his face. 
and they didn't want to cast Pacino because he was a stage actor. What movies has he done? And uh, so they go up to New York. He's just completing a play and he comes out the stage door and Albert Ruddy's there with his girlfriend to take him out to dinner. And he's uh, they're trying to convince him to play Michael to read for playing Michael. And the guy that's doing Al, I don't know who he is, but it's so young Pacino with the eyes and the charisma. And the girlfriend was like, oh, my God, he has so much charisma. He's a little short, though. He's a little short. But it's so, just, I just love all that. Well, have, so you're only on episode two. Yeah, well, I, I started three, but I had to go to bed. The, pe the people that hate it say it's over long. So you're not at that, that point yet. Uh, Lynn, did you watch the Kids in the Hall reboot? I did not uh, do that yet. I, I'm glad that Dave Sh Foley shaved off his goatee because I always thought he looked weird with it. But I never thought I would see Dave Foley full frontal. They, this is on Amazon, and therefore they can do, they can curse, and they can do full frontal nudity. Dave Foley. And uh, Kevin McDonald are both fully naked, something I never thought I would see. And they're, they're all in it. Bruce McCulloch, Mark McKinney, Scott Thompson. They're all in this reboot. And it's very kids in the hall. And I, I am enjoying watching it. I just didn't think that I would, you know, see them naked. I know. When you well, texted me. So far, I've me. only saw two of them naked. I know. When you texted me that, I was like, oh, well, there is, I'm so glad you told me that about the Emmy nominations. That's why there's so much TV because the staircase just started on HBO, which has Colin Firth and Tony Collette in a true crime drama. Supposedly there is a Netflix documentary on this case. That's very good. If people want to do the backstory, but the staircase just started. Yeah. So uh, St. Louis is going to be hopping this weekend. Besides the blues, we have Mother's Day, and I hope to sit on a patio somewhere in 80 degree weather, enjoying my day. And watch with, the hockey game at 3:30, and some fellow moms whose kids all live away. So we're the—I don't know what we call that—the abandoned mothers, <laughs> empty nesters, I believe. Yeah, that. the empty nesters, and uh, yeah, the theater. Uh, Joe's Joe Hanrahan's play Anomalous Experience starts tonight. And it's the last weekend for Hamilton at the Fox. Yes, and it's the last weekend for the Lonesome West at West End Players Guild, which is an acting showcase. Jeff Cargus and Jason Myers in a Martin McDonough knock them down, drag out brotherly dysfunction play that's just but the West End uh, Players Guild does a great job with it. So everybody's announcing their seasons for next year. People are announcing casting. It's an exciting time to pay attention to what's going on in theater. And remember, it's free comic book day, May 7th. Hopefully you're hearing this when you can still go support your local comic shops. Don't just go in and get your free comic book. Spend some money there. Uh, I'm I really love free comic book day because they do some weird fun things and lynn i'm not going to see you for the next couple of weeks i know carl i'm a, i'm a very excited for maggie and you and nicole about your daughter choosing depaul yes which was my son tim's uh grad school and it's so a great program i wish her the best she's going to learn so much and meet so many people, but also have such great opportunities because the faculty is working professionals and uh, her, the world is her oyster right now as a female animator. So I really am excited for you. I am very proud of her. Yes, you should be. And that'll be exciting. But yeah, Carl, we're going to miss you because we're going to have some really nifty guests. We're going to, yeah, I know. Yeah. So <laughs> hopefully um we'll we'll um you'll get to talk uh, opportunity to talk to them again but the fan expo is may 13th 15th and i'm gonna get to talk to the guy that voices mario hey it's a me and mario i hosted a panel with him he uh it was him uh mark dodson the guy who does the voice of salacious crumb and phil lamar i did a panel with them so 
please say hi to Charles for me because I am a fan. All righty. Well, uh, we have uh, just, uh, it's spring. Hopefully it's spring and we have many more activities and I hope everybody gets to enjoy some spring before we go straight into our heat wave of the summer. Lynn, where can we find you? I'm on poplifestl.com, my website, and I am on KTRS every Thursday past the 10 p.m. news with Ray Hartman, and I'm in the Webster Kirkwood Times every Friday online and in print, and Kent and I gave Dr. Strange the same grade, a C. Well, I work for your St. Louis Blues blowing the goal horn and playing the music at the games. You can watch me test the goal horn every, before every game. Uh, let's see, at underscore Carl the Intern on Twitter and Instagram. You can hear me Monday through Friday on the Mark Cox Morning Show on 97.1 FM Talk. And you can hear me on KMOX on the weekends on Second Amendment Radio and the Great Outdoors. So you can, I, I'm on the radio seven days a week. You are, and I'm so glad that you are, though, because it's uh, you have done a lot of work in this thing. I uh, just want to say Alexandra Kay, who was a triumph at the Hollywood Casino Amphitheater with the sold-out Tim McGraw show on Saturday. She has now got the number one country hit on iTunes. That's what love is. She wrote Yay. it about her wedding to her husband. And so, yes... Waterloo, Congratulations, Alexandra. There's another country show in town this weekend. If you're going to Kenny Chesney at Bush Stadium with Old Dominion and Dan and Shay and somebody else, I don't know because I don't care for country music. So congratulations. I hope you all have fun and have a great Mother's Day. Lynn, happy Mother's Day to you. Well, thank you, Carl. And I know you will enjoy uh, your day with Nicole and hockey. Yes, my wife is forcing my daughter to come to the hockey game on Mother's Day. So have a good weekend, everybody. I will talk to you in a couple of weeks. Lynn will be here next week. Bye. Bye-bye.